and those who may be listening outside. Unusually, uh, we are holding a Cabinet meeting at 9.30 in the morning. It's normally at 7 o'clock in the evening, as you're aware. Uh, but today uh, is uh, a, uh, an election day. Um, so, uh, welcome to those, uh, to, to those here. Um, uh, apologies for absence. Uh, Sue Barker is on jury service. Uh, I imagine um, Councillor Wells is on her way. Um, Councillor Dean has presented his apologies. Um, and I think Councillor Lodge has presented his apologies. Um, they're obviously all telling at the moment. Um, but uh, delighted to see Councillor Hargreaves here in um, Councillor Lodge's place. Uh, any other apologies or declarations of interest? We have one member of the public, Mr Marsh, from I believe Little Hallingbury. So at the appropriate time, Mr Marsh, I'll invite you to, if you want to say a few words. We're not quite there yet. We'll do the minutes first. But, uh I understand that Councillor Wells is um, coming back from her daughter's wedding, so um, she may not uh, be back in time. Um, okay, we'll take the minutes and then uh, we'll uh, ask Mr Marsh to uh, say a few words. Um, so, the minutes of the previous meeting, are they a true record? Okay, if they are, they are a true record, um, then we will move on to Mr Marsh. If you'd like to say... <coughs> Welcome. Well, sir, uh, all I, want to, I wonder why uh, I, I asked the parish council to uh, include my father's name in the naming of the new uh, low-cost housing site at Hallingbury, and uh, and apparently you threw it out here. Right, okay. Uh, and your father's name is, sir? Well, it's just, you know, Marsh. Marsh. That's the only part yeah, I wanted. Yeah, I've got to work that one out, I guess, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> in the, yeah. uh, um, so, so the name of Marsh. Now, I don't know if there's anybody here who is aware of this situation. Otherwise, we'll need to take this away and investigate it. Councillor Redfern, do you want to comment? Um, yes, Leader. I've just met Mr Marsh myself um, this morning, and he has given me the details, and obviously it is the low-cost housing that we've um, been supporting at Hallingbury, so I've taken his telephone number and details, and I'm happy to, um, well, to obviously talk to Councillor Wells, but follow it through and go back to Mr Marsh as soon as I can with a response. Is, is that okay as a response, Mr Marsh, that we'll investigate that and get back to you? If you would, please. Yes, of course we will. I would appreciate it. And the whole point was there, was, there was three sites suggested, and the other two were quickly done things so they, they didn't get used so my son came up with ours otherwise there would be no low-cost housing there right okay yeah well, well good, good for you and obviously as you know we're delighted to be developing low-cost housing throughout the district so we will we'll certainly investigate that and we will we'll publish in the minutes what the outcome is as well so that people oh. who follow cabinet can can see what's happened thank you sir. thanks very much indeed thank you for coming
Okay, moving on to uh, item three, questions or statements from non-executive members of the council. I think we've had that. Matt has referred to the executive. It's comment actually for for Councillor Redfern. Oh, she's out there. Um, She'll be right back. Slightly related to the housing revenue account, um, a um, resident of Great Chesterford was talking to me in the plough uh, earlier this week and uh, he started on about his, his, his council house and I was about to say, nothing to do with me mate, go talk to Mrs Redfern. Anyway, it turned out he wanted to say how pleased he was <laughs> with his council house, how everything was all looked after properly and his punchline of course was, and what's more they seem to be reducing the rent which I know that's a problem for everyone else, but I just thought I'd pass that message on uh, that uh, there is at least one happy customer. uh, Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Um, Thank you for those kind words, Councillor Hargreaves. I can assure you that there's more than one happy customer. It's something that happens to me quite a lot, but thank (laughs) you for passing it on. Okay. Um, Matt has referred to the executive. I think we've covered that. So reports from performance and audit and scrutiny. Um, now, we know that I think uh, Councillor Dean was waiting for the uh, published account uh, uh, minutes from the audit committee, uh, but um, Councillor Howell and I were at scrutiny, and I believe Councillor Howell was at performance and audit. Uh, I was at... Um, Broxted that night. So I don't know whether you want to say whether any matters relevant to Cabinet tonight. Otherwise, we'll, we'll await the, the official reports. Uh, well, Leader, I, you're right. I was at both meetings. I think in the case of performance and audit, it was a, uh, an enjoyable uh, meeting which covered a lot of ground, but I don't think there's anything particularly relevant for Cabinet and tonight. And so far as scrutiny is concerned, I will deal with it with the various reports, but scrutiny committee gave really quite in-depth consideration to all of the budget papers that we'll be considering. I note that in the papers there's a reference to, to scrutiny reporting back their comments. Um, I haven't seen those comments in writing, but I think that there was a strong endorsement of the papers that came to, to scrutiny and were coming to Cabinet today. Okay, at any point you'll pick up as you go through your reports. I don't know if anybody else uh, with either of those meetings wishes to comment. In which case, uh, we'll go to item six. Any updates on the Refugee Working Group? Uh, nothing to report um, that's any change since the last um, meeting, Chair, but um, I am going, uh, there's quite a few items, including the refugee um, situation, that I will be reporting back to um, hopefully next week at um, full council. Thank you. And no other comments there. We'll move on to item uh, seven, which is on pages 11 for those of you following it in hard copy, um, which is the covering report to the 1718 budget. And I call upon Councillor Howell. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, it's quite a good thing having it early in the morning. My energy levels are somewhat higher than they are at seven o'clock in the evening. Um, and we are in for quite a marathon, I'm afraid. I've got six papers to present. Um, I'd like to start off by thanking Mr. Webb and, and Mrs. Knight and the team in finance for all their hard work. Um, we, we have the most astonishing amount of detail in front of us around the budget and the performance uh, of the organisation. I, I comment in passing that the, 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 the board that, that I, the company that I work for, um, a budget paper would probably run to about 20 or 30 pages. And, and I only observe that we we produce a document which runs to nearly 200 pages 
plus on, on the budget, just as an indication of the degree of scrutiny, the degree of information and the, uh, the detail that's made available to, to members of the public and to councillors around our budget. And it's right it should be that, should be so, because of course this is public money that we're dealing with. Um, I'll deal with each of the papers in turn. Um, I should note, as I said earlier, that these were considered by scrutiny on the 7th of February. There was a good in-depth conversation discussion around each of the items. Um, I think there was a, a general endorsement, although there weren't any specific votes, um, but it has had good scrutiny. Uh, it will go to full council on Thursday the 23rd of February, so next week, where all councils will have their opportunity to speak and, and, uh, and, and comment in turn. And vote on the adoption of the budget. Um, it comprises of six separate papers. first one deals with the robustness of estimates and the adequacy of reserves in our reserve strategy. The second paper, which is number nine, deals with the medium-term financial strategy, um, ten with our treasury management strategy, eleven with our capital programme, twelve with our housing revenue account budget, and then there's a final paper, which brings all the strings together, I hope, which is 13, which is a general fund uh, budget and council tax. Um, the recommendations are set out in each of the papers, so I won't deal with those uh, in detail now. But that is the overview of what we are going to do in the course of the next hour and a half. Thank you, Councillor Howell. And there's no uh, recommendation in the covering paper. Um, and unless there's any particular points, uh, they will be picked up in the subsequent papers, as you have indicated. Uh, so we will move on uh, to item 8, which is the robustness of estimates and adequacy of reserves. Um, and well, Councillor Howell will be dealing with all the budget items. So, um, Councillor Howell, pages uh, 21 on the hard copy. Thank you. Thank you, Leader. Um, as part of our pr annual, process, uh, annual process around setting a budget, the Section 151 officer, Mr Webb, is required to give the Council formal notice on the robustness of the estimates and the adequacy of our reserves, and that's set out uh, in the advice known as the Section 25 report. Um, now, there's a complicated um, calculation behind all this, um, but nevertheless, the, the principle is that set out on eight, uh, the, the Section 15 officer has uh, assessed that the minimum safe contingency level for the working balance is 1.28 million, uh, and then there's details of how that is calculated. Um, what we need to establish is that the robustness of our estimates, and it's quite clear that uh, no budget can ever be completely free from risk necessarily various assumptions are made which means that a budget will always have an amount of uncertainty and we have a, a, a matrix that we set out both the probability uh, and the impact that might happen were various things to occur during the, the process um, and I would note on page 24, 25 and 26 the key areas of risk around our budget um, and the items which we identify both as being high in terms of probability or in impact. So, for example, um, in the case of the 100% uh, business rate retention, um, the probability of there being a variance is high, and the impact is high both favourably or adversely. And similarly, the commercialisation project that is in infancy um, might have a favourably um, 
a highly favourable impact on our, our, our finances, uh, and I, I'm hoping that the probability of it happening is also going to be quite high as well. Um, so this is to give you some idea of, of how we build up the layers of complexity around the budget. Um, now, dealing in turn then with, uh, I think probably I need to actually refer you specifically to the accompanying paper, which is the reserve strategy. Um, and it's important for us to remind ourselves um, that reserves are there for various reasons. Um, we, that there has been a mistake in the past, I think, of people assuming that the final number, the total number, the aggregate, is money that we have available to us to spend if we chose to. And we need to remind ourselves that various, earmark, various reserves are earmarked for specific projects where we can predict and we have an understanding of where we're going to be spending that money, and it's in line with a decision previously taken by Council. In other areas, we have working balances uh, that help us to manage the monthly changes, the quarterly movements within our, within our business, within the organisation. Other res reserves are held by us, which are funds that are not available to us to use. So they're um, used for such things as the housing revenue account, uh, or their money that is held for, 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 for other purposes. And then we have a total reserve, which is both the sum of earmarked and various ring fence reserves. So I would always caution people not to look at the final number at the bottom and say, oh, that's the council's reserves, because the reality is there's a great deal more complexity and layering within it. So I, I, I point that out as a, as a misconception that, that I sometimes hear. If I turn you over to um, 3.8 on page 30, the 2017-18 budget identifies a surplus of £564,000 which will be allocated to the Strategic Reserve, um, uh, sorry, the Strategic Initiatives Fund. Um, now, I, I do need to point out that there have been significant increases in the financial risk, uh, the risk environment around local government funding. Um, and this is an area which I, I, I've brought attention to in the past, but I think it is worth repeating. There are a number of areas where we have faced and are likely to face increasing risk when it comes to budgeting and preparation of our budget. The partial retention of locally collected business rates, the new system for business rates retention, um, and while the government has stated this, that this will be fiscally neutral to the council, there will almost certainly be additional responsibilities and associated financial risks facing us as an organisation. The council has also taken responsibility for the settlement of any outstanding business rates appeals, and you'll see this as a theme later on in, 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 in our meeting. New homes bonus reforms have seen reductions in allocations for 2018-17-18 and also changes to the scheme and there will likely to be further reforms in 2018-19. There's been a slow uh, and gradual reduction, actually I wouldn't say it was gradual, quite significant reduction in the revenue support grant and in 2017-18 it's the final year that the council will receive any funding from government under the revenue support grant. Um, We've had transfer of responsibility for local council tax support 
which is again an additional area of uncertainty for us as an organisation and there's a very significant area of, of, of uncertainty around changes to the welfare system and reforms to the welfare system, the introduction of universal credit and what impact that might have on rent collections, um, potentially increasing the levels of homelessness and people seeking accommodation uh, within the district. So all of these factors need to be borne in mind when we prepare the budget. Uh, and give us a degree of uncertainty as to uh, certain elements. Um, then, <clears throat> uh, then there are a number of other areas which we need to engage, um, which ensure that um, we as an organisation effectively run ourselves and, and are able to budget effectively. So there are certain pressures um, around the organisation, uh, increasing demand for our services, uh, and there are various service uh, budget controls which are in place to help, help us to, um, to identify and challenge and, and address those challenges when they arise. If I turn you to, uh, on page 32 to 5.2, this sets out the general fund reserves at the end of the last financial year and then forecasts the positions for the next two years. Uh, and you'll see there that we have both usable, total usable reserves um, at the uh, forecast for the 31st of March 2017 of £9.94 million. Pounds. Uh, a number of these have been identified, or they've all been identified under specific headings. So, for example, the medium-term financial strategy reserve has a million pounds uh, and is forecast to continue to have a million pounds by 2018. We can deal in turn in the contents of the paper with each of the, uh, these items and what they are intended for and their purpose uh, and what movements we are anticipating. Uh, in addition to our uh, budgeted reserves, the usable reserves, we have general fund ring fence reserves which are set out on 5.4, the housing revenue account reserves on 5.5 and the housing revenue account ring fence reserves which are set out on 5.6. Our total reserves, as a consequence, are then uh, aggregated on 6.1, which are at the top of page 34, um, showing that we have total reserves, each of these layers, of 17.6 million. And then on 7.1, there's a five-year plan showing how the general uh, fund reserves uh, will flow over the course of the next five years. And similarly, the housing revenue reserves fund, uh, um, uh, forecast over the next five years. And then Appendix 1 sets out in some detail each of the um, items identified in our usable reserves uh, and the risks associated with it, the mitigation and calculation, and what is the purpose of each of these reserves. So um, we can see uh, what it's intended to be, they're intended to be used for and, and how we can um, best use those, those funds. Thank you. Do we thank intend you very to take much. each one by one by one? And I think, I think that would be good, yes. <coughs> so thank you for that comprehensive coverage of reserves. Um, I'll read out the recommendation at item four, the uh, five parts of that, uh, before we go to a vote. But, uh, Councillor Hargreaves. It's just on table 7.1, the new waste depot site, the £2 million provision, that seems to carry on sort of forever to, to, to 2022. Uh, first of all, is there a plan there? But secondly, I thought that the waste disposal was actually an Essex responsibility rather than an Uttlesford responsibility. 
I'll ask Mr Harborough to comment could, there. Could, well, for, uh, for that, could I point uh, Councillor Hargreaves to 38, which sets out the, the details around the new waste uh, depot site. It's, 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 a, it's a waste depot rather than disposal site, so it's a transfer station. We currently, uh, it's proposed to purchase land and provide the necessary buildings uh, and utilities in the south of the district. No such piece of land is identified. Um, and we clearly uh, have to identify a piece of land. There are, are a short list of possible uh, sites which have been identified. Clearly the land, if, it would be, if it's vacated, has some value to us. So we do have to find a new transfer site. The current location is quite unsuitable where it is, uh, and so we will find something more suitable. But the timing for that depends on when we can find a site, and then when we were once, and so it's effectively a reserve intended to cover the cost of relocating our, our waste depot. Is that the one which is currently in, in Dunmo? Correct, Central ah, Dunmo. Understood. Do you want to add anything, Mr. Harper? I was just going to clarify, it's not a transfer station. Yeah. That is the county council responsibility, yeah. and there is a Dunmo transfer station. This is a, a depot site. It's a base for our vehicles and uh, a workshop. Okay. Was there anything else under item 8 that anybody wished to raise? Councillor Redfern. Um, I was going to save this, but I may as well say it now. I just wanted to make a comment on the housing revenue account um, because obviously um, things are changing for us with the rent reduction. That has a big impact on our. Um, business plan. So we are in the process of organising a look at the loans that we've got and how we fund and finance the different, um, different, different loans that we've got that give us the opportunity to um, develop uh, council housing across the district. So it does look a bit sad at the moment, but we are going to, we are looking at that. Just wanted to make that clear. Okay. If there aren't any other comments, uh, then I shall read out uh, um, for others uh, the recommendation, which is item 4 on the paper, page 21. The Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full Council that the Council takes account of the advice in the report when determining the 1718 General Fund budget and Council tax, that the Council approves the risk assessment relating to the robustness of estimates as detailed in the report, that the Council sets the minimum safe contingency level for 1718 at 1.28 millions, that the attached reserve strategy is adopted, that the Council agrees that no transfers to or from the working balance should be built into the 17-18 budget. So, key points. Uh, those in favour of those recommendations? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. Um, and the proposer was uh, Councillor Howell and uh, Councillor Redfern was the seconder to that proposal. Okay, uh, moving on to item 9, which is the medium-term financial strategy for this financial year. Councillor Howell. Um, thank you, Leader. The recommendation, and I will remember to read it out this time, is that the Cabinet is requested to re recommend for approval by full Council the medium-term financial strategy, which is attached on page 49. Um, the purpose of the medium-term financial strategy is to ensure the ongoing financial health and stability of the Council, and we need to look ahead and anticipate the issues that may arise in the future and affect the Council's uh, finances. I, I won't repeat the, the comments I made earlier, but, but, but clearly there is a degree of uncertainty around uh, 
areas of funding allocation, um, not least the, the issues I spoke about earlier around the revenue support grants, um, but there are also other areas around the uh, rural services delivery grants, um, and, and I've mentioned earlier the reduction in the new homes bonus. Um, we've entered into a four-year funding deal um, with a significant number of other local authorities, and that gives us some uh, transparency over funding going forward. Um, I think Section 5 is, is useful to give us an update on the new, new homes bonus, um, because this has been an area that has, has been under a degree of significant degree of uncertainty during the course of the year. There was a consultation. Um, the outcome of that consultation uh, was expected some time ago and was in fact not received until, um, uh, until December as part of the um, uh, government's uh, funding statement at that time just before Christmas. Um, but the impact of that is quite significant. There will be uh, a reduction in legacy payments and the lifetime in which you receive new homes bonus year by year from six years to five years and then to four years from 2018-19. Um, there's also an assumption that approximately 150 houses uh, properties will be withdrawn or reduced from your baseline when you calculate new homes bonus. Um, and what there is, um, which is good news, is that there's been a, uh, a delay in a final decision on whether uh, councils that do not have a local plan in place or where there is uh, a, a lost appeal uh, whether there will be a loss of the new homes bonus element. That's, and that element, is, that decision on, on that has been deferred pending further consultation in 2017-18, though, though I, I have to flag that it is a continuing and ongoing area of risk potentially. Um, and then we come to the revaluation of business rates hereditaments, which we've talked about at this meeting previously. Um, and that there was a review or revaluation uh, carried out in 2016, and that has a significant impact on both rateable values and the income that the, uh, the council is likely to, to receive going forward. Um, and then, um, so the introduction of 100% business rates retention uh, is expected to be implemented in 2019-20. Um, and for the purposes of the medium-term financial strategy, we're assuming a consistent level of business rates income for the five years, as the government has said that it, will it is expected that it will be fiscally, uh, fiscally neutral. However, I've said earlier um, that there are question marks as to whether we would perhaps have further responsibilities transferred to us. It's also uh, worth pointing out that there is still remain some areas of uncertainty as to what is, uh, absolute, what is intended. So, for example, um, what will be included in the local and central list, and there's a degree of ambiguity about what is defined by airport-related uh, businesses, for example. Um, we're unclear what areas of extra responsibility will be transferred transferred to us as a local authority. Um, so for those reasons, that I, I, we, we have to caveat the, the, that there exist a number of areas of risk. I um, won't talk in any detail about the uh, guiding principles. I will point out that clearly we have, as an organisation, 
a, a significant efficiency uh, program in place. Uh, as, a, as an administration, it is our view that councils should be run efficiently uh, and cost-effectively, and officers are charged and are actively engaged in looking at ways in reducing our overhead and doing things more uh, efficiently and more cost-effectively. And we continue to look at ways in which we can increase our income and reduce our dependence on central government funding, which has been, uh, during my lifetime as a councillor, one of the, the, the key and consistent themes has been the government's reduction in the grants available to local authorities. It's widely um, reported. And, and our response to that, I think, has to be, rather than look to, to cut services, to look to alternative ways of raising money. So the medium-term financial strategy uh, set out in some detail. Um, we have um, brought this in its various guises and earlier drafts to, um, to Council, to Cabinet on numerous occasions. But I think that I will draw you, if you don't mind, to your attention to page 57, which sets out the, the budget modelling at the highest level. Um, we've identified £200,000 of efficiency and income opportunities in 2017-18, but this does not uh, take into account any uh, wider or more significant commercialisation work that we may hopefully be able to, uh, to, to pursue in the future. But it gives us a total budget of 12,159,000. Um, you'll notice that the formula grant of 255,000 for the final year, uh, taking away our various funding, or rather adding our funding, we, uh, we have total funding of 6 million. Um, going forward, you'll see that that line significantly reduces. So from 6.06 million, it falls by nearly 25% in 2018-19 to uh, 5.269 million, and then falls further beyond that. So you can see um, the consequence of that is an increasing requirement of us either to raise uh, council tax or to look at alternative ways of raising funds. Um, so while we have a balanced book in 2017-18, uh, going forward in 2018-19, we have a de deficit of 300,000, growing to 427,000 uh, in 1920, uh, uh, to nearly a million by 2021-22. Um, that is the scale of the challenge that we face. Um, there are opportunities um, uh, for us both as income and efficiencies to ensure that we address these um, and you will see that our budget, our medium term financial strategy identifies our expectation that we will be able to bridge that gap. Um, but page 57 I think gives you in quite firm and clear terms the, the headline challenges we face as a, over our medium term financial strategy. Finally, I'll turn, if you don't mind, to page 60 to the revenue, housing revenue account. And we... we um, under this, uh, we effectively uh, took out a loan for £88.4 million, um, and the debt has been structured so that the, uh, the repayments are geared from year 6, which starts this year, 2017-18, through to year 20, which is uh, year 2041-42. It's even an awfully long way away, but it means that we will be repaying our, our debt for the first time this year. Um, 
A review of the housing revenue account business plan and the financing of the loans will be undertaken in, early, in the early part of 2017-18 in order to ensure that the maximum benefit is, is obtained both in terms of interest rates and also our ability to ensure that the housing revenue account continues to deliver new housing. Um, it has been one of the features of, of this loan that we have been able to invest very significantly in our housing stock over the first uh, five years of the life of this loan as a consequence of the way it was structured. Um, this, the consequences of this are set out on page 61 where you'll see um, it is he, he, st stuck in the detail here but we are paying interest of 2.6 million and we have the first repayment of the housing revenue account loan in 17-18 of 2 million. What I, what I would also flag from this table is that we are spending £2.3 million on very necessary but important and important um, housing repairs across our estate and it's pleasing to see that that level of investment in the repairs and maintenance of the estate continues throughout the life of the, the five-year summary as set out. And with that, I'll move the recommendation. Thank you very much, uh, Councillor Howell. Um, I certainly won't try and repeat what you've just said, but I think there are just three key points uh, to draw out that our medium-term financial strategy takes account of, of three key elements. Um, the first is the external factors that you eloquently uh, listed. Uh, the second, that this council, where possible, will retain uh, services um, and thirdly that it will become as effective and as efficient as is practicable. practicable. So uh, that is the sort of the underpinning basis of, of the strategy which uh, you have uh, laid out. Are there any comments? Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, thanks Chair. <coughs> Just on the, um, I'm working on the online version, I haven't got your page numbers. Um, the gross service expenditure is shown over the five years falling by about £11 million and then gross service income underneath it also by about £11 million. Um, near, the, near the top of the document actually that's on page four on the version I've got. I'm not clear whether the paragraphs above that explain what, why that's such a large fall or whether it's, it's, it's something else. This is a table if you're on beginning of the doc document you're four pages in it says budget model, green heading then you have this table underneath that showing 35 million going down to 24 million, 24 million going down to 13 million on gross service expenditure and gross service income um, is that something different to the paragraphs above it so I would, something such as dramatic a change as that I would expect a paragraph saying it's happening because of X, Y, and Z. Can, can I take that, Web, <coughs> Jim? Uh, if you look on page 53, um, there's, a, there's a table which effectively just shows those top three lines of gross service expenditure, gross service income, and demand growth. And there's item C is mentioned underneath that. So it's either on page four of the medium term financial strategy document itself or page 53 on the online. I've got. <clears throat> and that, that has a paragraph about universal credit in it, um, saying that the reason for that drop-off is universal credit. So, that, so universal credit makes that much difference? Yes. Wow. Okay. We, we, we remodel it every year as um, the rollout of universal credit slips slightly every year. 
But um, yes, universal credit has that much impact on our gross service income and expenditure. Okay. Thank you very much. Are there any other um, comments on the medium-term financial strategy as, as laid out? In which case, because it's a one and a half lines, I'll repeat, Councillor Howell has already proposed that, that, but just to remind listeners that the recommendation is that the Cabinet is requested to recommend for, for approval by full Council the medium-term financial strategy as attached. Those in favour? Carried unanimously and uh, Councillor Redfern is the seconder to that motion. Okay, uh, moving on to uh, page 63 in, your, in the overall papers, uh, the Treasury Management Strategy for 1718. Councillor Howell, item 10. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, the Cabinet has requested to approve, to approve for recommendation to full Council the following items. The Treasury Management Strategy for 2017-18 are prudential indicators which are set out in Appendix A to this report, the minimum revenue provision statement which is set out in Appendix B and the economic forecast set out in Appendix C. Um, the Treasury Management Strategy is something that we review routinely and regularly. It was reviewed at scrutiny on the 7th of February. We'll go to full council uh, next Thursday. Um, I, I, I haven't received a comment, uh, and I haven't received a comment, as I've said, from scrutiny on any of the reports that we're considering today, um, but, but they seemed comfortable and, 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 and happy with the contents of this. We assume no new external borrowings during the course of uh, the forthcoming year and during the, uh, as part of the strategy. And this paper effectively covers our entire cash flow management, our use of banks, investments, and our borrowings. Um, and our, our treasury management strategy. Uh, it, we, as an overarching principle, it continues to give priority to security and liquidity invest, uh, of investment re capital over return uh, and will also be prudent and transparent. And I, I recall Councillor Hargreaves attended our meetings in the past and, and commented and shown a particular interest in the treasury, treasury management strategy that we've adopted. What I would also draw your attention to is 4.1, um, which was that we updated the Treasury Management Strategy at Cabinet on the 1st of December um, in line with various recommendations from our independent Treasury Management Advisors, which are a company called Arling Close, uh, and we've increased our counterparty investment levels and the time limits for local authorities, and we've increased our borrowing limits to £250 million. Uh, and the Treasury, counter, Treasury Management counterparty list is outlined below in the, in the contents of the, of the document. So if I turn you to page 67, uh, that sets out the strategy in full. Um, and I know how difficult this is because I realise from listening to comments that some of you are seeing these on screen and others on paper. But if I turn, I turn to page 73... I have no idea where that is on the online version, um, but it is within the contents of the medium-term financial strategy, uh, and it's not numbered, but it's, it's, it is part of Section 5, which is borrowing strategy. Um, and I'm dealing here with our loan from the Public Works Loan Board, which is £88.407 um, And I'm making the point that I've made 
earlier in, under the last item, which is in 2017, we will be making the first uh, repayment under the uh, loan that we have for our housing revenue account of £2 million during the course of the year. But you'll see um, the full repayments set out between 2017-18 and 2041-42 and at the bottom of page 73. Um, and that's an area of particular work during the course of the next uh, few months. Moving on to 70, page 74, our investment strategy sets out the, the areas in which we will put monies on deposit. Uh, and it's worth putting into context that as an organisation, because we are the revenue collecting uh, organisation um, for a number of other entities, Essex County Council, the police and the fire authority, as well as parish councils, we hold significant amounts of money on behalf of other organisations, as well as our own funds. And so this sets out where we invest that funds, those funds uh, to maximise return while at the same time being prudent and ensuring that we, we minimise any risks in line with the, the first comment that I made early on, which is we seek to prioritise security and liquidity, uh, as well as be prudent and transparent. Um, then if you turn to page 77, the counterparty uh, list is set out detailing the entities that we can uh, lend money to, the credit ratings that are required, the cash limits and the time limits, the, the length of time with which we can place funds on deposit and the risk assessments that accompany those. Um, and I'm particularly interested by the table at the bottom of page 78, which shows our cash balances at any one time. Um, and I hasten to say this is not the money we can go out and spend if we chose to. It is money that we have on deposit uh, with other organisations. But I'm in interested to know that, that the, at some point towards the end of December 2016, we had, I would say, just close, just shy of £60 million, perhaps about £58 million. But that gives you an, an idea of the kind of funds we have on deposit at any one time. There's a balance sheet at the top of page 78 which looks at our, um, the total investments that we hold, uh, the borrowings against that. Um, and I think that probably takes me through that paper and on to Appendix A. Uh, which are our prudential indicators. Um, this looks at the, um, if I turn particularly to page 86, various ratios that look to establish where, whether we are, uh, I, I suppose what you would call it in business, our gearing. Uh, and you can see there our, um, our, our overheads, or rather our, rather our, our affordability. Uh, an indicator of affordability and it highlights the revenue implications uh, of our existing and proposed capital expenditure. Um, then Appendix B uh, deals with the minimum revenue provision statement, which I, don't conf I confess I don't recall seeing last year, but, I've, um, but maybe I did and I just don't remember it. <laughs> uh, and, then, and everyone's nodding so clearly I did, I just don't have good recall on this. And then finally, Appendix C, which is Arling Close's economic and interest rate uh, forecast. It says November 2015, but I'm absolutely certain that it's supposed to be November or December 2016. Um, but that, I think, is quite an interesting paper in its own right. So, um, and I will leave any quips about the reliability of economic forecasts to another occasion. 
Okay. Um, any comments on the Treasury Management Strategy? Which, as you correctly say, Councillor Howell, dovetails into the two earlier items that you've presented in terms of reduced funding from central government and a greater incentive to be able to manage our own affairs um, through generating our own income streams. So the two things do dovetail together and our Treasury Management Strategy has taken account of that and we'll do that with the Housing Revenue Account as well. No comments. Um, I won't repeat the recommendation which has been read out by Councillor Howell and seconded by Councillor Redfern. Um, so those in favour of recommendation item 2 for the Treasury Management Strategy carried unanimously. Thank you. Uh, moving on to item 11 which is the capital programme uh, from 1718 to 2122, Councillor Howell. Uh, thank you, Leader. The recommendation is that the Cabinet is requested to approve, for recommendation to full Council, the capital programme and the associated financing of the programme as set out in the report. Um, it's one of the areas where I take some of the papers that I present are all doom and gloom and it's all kind of a bit miserable and frankly I quite it's wading through mist. But this is one of those papers where actually I think that we can, as, a, as an organisation, as a council, take particular pride. We continue to invest in, the, uh, uh, invest in our community. In fact, I totalled up our general fund investment and our housing revenue investment over the next, uh, over the next five years. £58.5 million pounds of investment in our community overall, um, both through housing uh, improvements uh, through the work that we do as an organisation um, and I, I think that's a, an enormous um, vote of confidence that we as a council have. It's evidence of our confidence in our financial robustness and future and it's our commitment to the communities that we serve. Um, Appendix A shows as a summary table all the capital projects and their costs for each year uh, and then they're broken down by portfolio in Appendix B setting out further details of the type of expenditure. Um, Appendix C details the financing of the capital programme and I need to emphasise that no external borrowing is required to finance the five-year capital programme as detailed in the report. Um, now, the only caveat and the only thing that I would query was actually the wording on, on, on item 20, which is the general fund capital programme is consistent with routine annual replacement and maintenance projects. We'll deal with those shortly, but I, I actually take issue with the word that these are routine. Um, they, are, they may be necessary, they may be uh, um, ones that would be recommended, but they are by no means routine in their scale and they represent a, an enormous investment and commitment by the Council uh, to uh, the maintenance of our uh, programme of investment. So I'll deal with each of those in turn if you don't mind. Um, overall, in 2017-18, uh, the f we will be, across all of our uh, portfolios, investing a total of £15.1 million. That's nearly £3 million across the general fund. The most significant of those is in environmental services, but each of the areas of the Council have significant areas of capital investment and a total of £12.1 million of investment, uh, capital investment through the housing revenue account. Um, 
the detail of this is set out on each of the subsequent Appendix B papers. But if I turned to uh, page 100, Appendix B, which is the second paper, which sets out the uh, investment programme um, for environmental services, you'll see that in 2017-18, we're spending £1.37 million on vehicle replacements followed by 600,000 the following year, 716,000 in 1920, 880,000 in 2021, a total of £4.77 million over the five years, uh, upgrading, uh, investing in our fleet of refuse vehicles in particular uh, to ensure that we continue to deliver uh, an exemplary and excellent uh, waste collection and recycling service across the district, a very important area of investment, demonstrates that um, one can only invest if one manages one's finances prudently. Um, and it's important that we can do this by marshalling our resources year after year so we are able to make these investments when it becomes necessary. Um, I'll similarly draw your attention to um, other areas of investment. Where shall I, where shall I pick out? Um, I, I notice that we will continue over the Housing and Economic Development Programme to be continuing to give nearly £300,000 in disabled facility grants. We, can have, we have a pot of money, £300,000 a year, each year for the five years, around compulsory orders to ensure that houses are, are brought back into use when they become uh, a problem for their neighbours. We're investing £100,000 in uh, super-fast broadband this year. Um, turning to the five-year five capital programme set out in Appendix B on page 103 for the housing revenue account, I, I don't wish to take Councillor Redfern's thunder, but the investment in sheltered accommodation of £6.7 million this year, £4.4 million in Reynolds Court, £1.4 million in Hathley Court, 800000 in Walden Place, and then a further £1.4 million in identified sites, um, is, is, is an indication of the, of the good work that's being done by this council um, across its sheltered accommodation. Um, so with that, if you don't mind, um, I will let others speak to it if they wish to, but I, I move the capital programme for 17-18 through to 21-22. Thank you. Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, I'm very encouraged that there is a fund for bringing houses back into use. We have the most gorgeous house in the middle of Newport. It's been derelict for years, and I'd love for that to come back into use. My question actually is... I think uh, that's a, it's it's uh, under study at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is an uh, application actually came on the website yesterday for Newport for, I think it's five uh, new houses... Um, is that possibly at the moment categorised in the unidentified sites line? I see no and a yes. No, no. I, I'm, that will be the site. The five houses at the yeah, top, Cranberry Lane. Yeah, which we've met with the parish council to discuss. But I, I'm, I think that will be. Um, I don't think we know exactly what we're going to do with that yet. But um, that is one one of the projects we're looking at going forward but we don't we haven't made any final decision on that because it has to go through all the housing so board. So at the moment the finance for that is not <coughs> no. in here but obviously it's a it's that's that I believe that to be correct yes. Okay. 
Yes, that, that's, that's correct. There's, you go through a planning process first and then you cost up yeah. the project and decide the best way to deliver it. And so if it's delivered by this council, it would come out of the identified sites line. Okay. Any other comments? Councillor Redfern? Uh, just just um, two comments. <coughs> um, I'm really pleased to see um, on Appendix B, page 100, the car parking machine replacement scheme because um, if there's one thing I get beaten up about at um, various town teams and the like is um, our antiquated car park machines. So I'm really pleased to see that that's in um, this year's budget um, and the other thing was in the um, housing revenue account which I am just um, <clears throat> the Mead Court phase two I'd like you all to take note that there's nothing in the 17-18 budget for um, Mead Court because I'm really delighted as you all know to say that it's actually finished <laughs> yeah well done Okay, just to remind you, the recommendation is that the Cabinet is requested to approve for recommendation to full council the capital programme and associated financing of the programme as set out in this report articulated by Councillor Howell, uh, proposed by Councillor Howell, seconded by Councillor Redfern. Um, those in favour? Carried unanimously, thank you. Um, this moves us on to item 12, uh, which is the housing revenue account, which... Um, is a joint effort between Councillor Howell and Councillor Redfern. Don't know who's going first. Shall I go first, and then, <laughs> and I will let uh, Councillor Redfern sp speak to the detail. I'll, I, as always, just glide along the top. Um, what, what I would emphasise is the Housing Board and the Tenant Forum have both reviewed the housing rents and service charge proposals as set out, and uh, recommended these for approval by Cabinet and full Council. And it's, I'm not closely involved in either the Housing Board and the Tenant Forum. I know other councils are very closely involved, and they do exceptionally good work in ensuring that what we do uh, is aligned with the interests of our tenants uh, and with the people who use and, and, and live in, 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 in our estate of, of, of council houses. Um, so the proposed housing revenue account and the budget position for 2017-18 and our proposed five-year financial forecast through to 2021-22 is set out in this paper. To a certain extent, it duplicates um, some of the areas that we spoke about um, in the previous item, but I do need to point out that the housing revenue account rents for general needs properties are, are, are expected and will be um, declining or decreasing by 1% a year for the next four years, uh, frozen from 2015. Um, for similarly, for supported accommodation, there will be a similar decrease of 1% in line with government guidance. Uh, and Section 3 sets out various other uh, assumptions, including a, an increase in uh, rent for garages of 2% per annum, um, a lifeline charges increased by 2%, etc., uh, etc., et as set out in the paper. Um, I think that the um, section 21, which gives a summary of the housing revenue account, is, is a, uh, a very useful summary, uh, in sh showing that, that uh, we will continue to report a surplus year on year. 
Uh, and I note that the average weekly rent in 2016-17 uh, was £99.81, and it will decrease by £1 and a penny uh, in 2018, uh, 17 uh, to uh, £98.80. Uh, we manage a total of 453 garages and the current weekly rent is uh, £9.70 and that will increase uh, to £9.89, uh, excluding that. Uh, I wasn't intending to speak in detail to the paper, primarily because much of the detail has been uh, dealt with in the previous paper, but I wasn't sure whether perhaps Councillor Redfern wanted to speak to any of the items either. Councillor Redfern. Um, well, I won't take up everybody's time because, as um, Councillor Howe says, much of this has been covered in previous papers, but um, I would like to um, just pass comment on a couple of things in, uh, I think it was item, uh, item 14, um, the business plan and uh, um, the rent reduction of 1% a year for... Um, four years for us as a council is, is, is really challenging when we've taken on a loan with the intention of being able to service that loan properly and give us the opportunity to um, develop more council housing and obviously this is causing us to have a, a look at how we um, deal with our, our existing loan and I've, I have to say I find it really disappointing that this was um, forced upon us um, but not... <laughs> Uh, disappointing but not completely surprising and the other thing that we will be um, um, lobbying yet again on is the um, comment with the one for one replacement for right to buy sales you know it's misleading really to say that it's a one for one replacement because actually we only get to keep 30% of the um, sale price of that property um, which of course um, it's fine if we happen to own some land that we can replace a property on, but it's very difficult for us because the right to buys are increasing and the opportunities for us are decreasing um, because we have to find the other 70%. Um, we can, it's not as if we can use that money to go out to the open market and replace, replace a house. So we will continue to um, lobby our government on this and... Um, and feedback at every opportunity, but there are just a couple of things that jump out at me that I find extremely disappointing. But having said that, um, as a council, I think we should be proud of ourselves in the way that we do deal with the challenges that come our way. We do seem to be able to um, work our way through these obstacles, but um, don't, let, don't think that we don't um, challenge what is happening to us as well, but we do have a great team here, and um, we seem to be able to work our way through it, but it's not easy. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments on the housing revenue account? Okay, just to remind you of the recommendation that the Cabinet has requested to approve for recommendation to full council the housing revenue uh, budget and five-year financial strategy, recognising the context in which we are working. Uh, proposed um, by... This Councillor Redfern this time, I think. Um, seconded by Councillor Howell. Those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you. Uh, item 13, the final item in this round. It's not the final item for Councillor Howell, but uh, just to sum up the general fund and council tax 2017-18. 
Item 13. Thank you, Leader. Well, hopefully, we'll all come together now and we will be able to pull the various strings. Um, that is the hope. Um, the recommendation is the Cabinet is requested to recommend that full council approves the general fund council tax requirement of £5,034,621, summarised in paragraphs um, 16 to 22 of this paper. Uh, and we are also uh, that Cabinet is recommended to approve the schedule of fees and charges in Appendix F. Um, it has been reviewed by scrutiny. It will go to full council um, next week. Um, I don't propose to repeat everything I've said in the previous papers. The theory is that this is actually all leading up to this paper because it effectively identifies the gap and what we have effectively to fund through council tax. And if we do it correctly, then it should, in theory, all come together and we can come up with a number, which in this occasion is £5,034,621. I need to identify, though, that we go through a very long process during the course of the year to try and ensure that the budget that we present aligns not just with the views of the 40 councillors who sit in this building, but also with the views of our local residents, and not just once every four years. So there's a major consultation process that takes place that tries to identify what are the priorities that people really care about. Um, we, have this, we have this every year. I have to say that the last couple of years, it's been uh, particularly satisfying to see very, very significant numbers of responses, although it is not intended to be a referendum. It is, not, uh, it is to test and ensure that we're satisfied that we're on the right track, if that makes sense. Um, so we select a sample, and we use telephone surveys, uh, we use an online and paper questionnaire, um, as well as face-to-face -face surveys, to try and build up a picture to ensure that what we're doing aligns with what people wish. It, it's not about somebody running a campaign and saying, I particularly want us to do X. Um, but generally speaking, I think that we try and align not only our residents' survey results, um, but also with the corporate plan. And so if you um, look at page 129, um, it identified the, the key areas that both residents and local businesses identified, both of our statutory services and our, our, our other services. Um, I won't emphasise the, the low priority because even the low priorities are priorities and, and it's quite clear that, that they are valued by many people. Um, and we sought where we possibly can to feed this through into, um, into, into our budget. So, for example... Um, Sweeping of streets, litter picking, clearing up fly tipping and keeping the districts um, tidy has been a major area of, of, of as a major priority for local residents and we try to respond to that by putting additional resources and capital investment in, in our street services and you'll see right the way across an attempt to, to, to link up with local needs, local desires with our own budget. Uh, the budget's been prepared on the assumption of a 2% increase in, in local council tax. Um, that takes our uh, requirement to f the, the, the magic number of £5,034,621. That equates to £142.93 for a band D property, an increase of £2.80 in the course of the year. Um, but I would caveat that and ask uh, councillors to bear in mind 
the investment programme that we've talked about in earlier papers, the um, significant um, challenges that we face as an organisation around funding, um, and the uncertainties in the future. And, and I still think that it's quite a tribute to, to officers and to this as an organisation that we are able to remain um, one of uh, a, a very low-cost, high-quality council. Um, so I think that probably sets out um, the headline figures. There is a great deal of data within this paper, but I'm rather hoping that it won't come as a great surprise because we've rather talked about it through the course of the morning. So that is my recommendation. Is there anything else you want to say on fees and charges? I beg your pardon. Fees and charges, are, I, I, I do need to note them. Um, I, I have... I can see um, there are a number of changes, but for the most part, they are in line with what we flagged on previous occasions, particularly around car parking, on page 160 and 61. Sorry, to caveat that, namely, no change. <laughs> yeah, I think that's important to note, uh, no, no change in charges this year. Okay, any comments? Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, just one on page 146. I think there might be a typing error. Um, that's under the efficiency savings, communities and partnerships. The, the ward members' uh, new homes bonus grant. The text says 50% reduction in grants. The 39,000 figure next to it would only be a one-third reduction. Elsewhere, it looks like a one-third reduction. So it looks like it was possibly originally intended to be 50% and then decided not to be quite so hard line. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let Angela respond, uh, but um, it was always intended to go from 3 to 2 this year. The question mark is whether we go further after that, but for this year it was always 3 to 2, which, as you rightly point out, is a third cut. So this is nice. I don't know if you have any magic of turning 33% into 50%. But well, yeah, I, I can try, but no. Basically what it is, I do apologise, that is a typing error. Um, there, was, there was a mix-up in the um, explanations between the parish grants for LCTS, which we did reduce by 50%, and the ward member grants, and I thought I'd corrected that, but I will make sure that's done. Okay. On the general 2%, the headline for the, for the public, very happy with that. You have to keep up with inflation and keep the, the revenue streams running. So no problem with that. Good, thank you. Just, just on the members' allowance, we've touched on this on the past, but I would like to um, just have a clear strategy on this that... Uh, uh, I think collectively across parties we've talked that some members are more effective at using this budget than others and that those who are effective at it should have the opportunity to have a second go. So I think uh, we've talked uh, about tightening up in terms of when uh, this budget is used and that if, not, if it's not used by a certain period, whether that's the end of the financial year or whatever time we choose, that it goes back into a collective fund for the, the other members to be able to use. I'd just like to... Uh, confirm whether that is the case um, or whether we think it's going back into general reserves. So um, perhaps at some few, we can have a debate and come back on that. But at the moment, the fund, as far as this document is concerned, is that the fund is being cut by a third. Councillor Redfern. Um, I'd just like to make a comment. It's not, not for Simon, Simon, it's for yourself, Leader. Um, just because litter picking was 
brought up again as something that's a priority for this um, council and um, having attended um, several of my parish councils in the last couple of weeks that the, I wonder if I could ask you to write to um, the leader and the appropriate officer at South Cams because the A11 which is um, one of the gateways into Uttlesford is absolutely appalling well I say again it's never really it, they, as you know yourself they never really um, deal with it and, it, and it, is, it is obviously beginning to really upset the um, surrounding parishes so I wonder if I could ask you to write to them and yeah, plead certainly... with them to try you know, at least put proper um, bins at the side because the ones they've got there are just too small then I was saying last night I don't think I've ever driven by when those bins are not full so um, maybe I could yeah, spend some of point. my new homes uh, 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 I, I certainly will and I have in the past uh, it frustrates me because I drive that road every day um, the bins have been changed travelling eastwards but not travelling back uh, westwards where the link on to the uh, 11 which are, as you rightly say uh, small bins overflow uh, virtually continuously um, Sadly, and I will do that, um, sadly there is litter. I drove down the 127, the road to Battleton and South End yesterday. It is absolutely appalling. I then drove back into Chelmsford. It is absolutely appalling. So uh, this, this, this is a problem. Um, and... Um, you know we're part of that problem we're doing what we can to address it it really frustrates residents uh, we're spending three hundred thousand pound of taxpayers money to pick up other people's rubbish we shouldn't be spending a bean on that we should be spending that three hundred thousand pounds on other good causes uh, so yeah we need a big campaign that's based on as we've said in the past three factors one is education uh, it, it you know it, it just should not be part of your mentality to throw rubbish secondly um, if you do we're going to catch you and find you you. And thirdly, if we've done all of that and they're still rubbish, then we're going to have to pick it up. So it's a three-pronged attack that's going to have quite a bit of energy in 2017. Okay. Um the recommendation for agenda item 13 is that the Cabinet is requested to recommend that the full Council approves the General Fund Council tax requirement of uh, just over 5 million, summarised in paragraph 16 to 22, uh, and point 5, the Cabinet is recommended to approve the schedule of fees and charges in Appendix F, as proposed by Councillor Howell, as seconded by Councillor Redfern. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. Now, item 14, procurement strategy, which does have Councillor Howell's name on it, but I will take this item. Uh, Councillor Howell is leaving the room because he has an indirect link to one of the companies mentioned in the report. This has been discussed with our legal director, Mr Pugh. There is no uh, material conflict of interest, but just so that we are uh, absolutely happy with everything uh, Councillor Howell's left and I will propose the, um, the recommendation which is that the Cabinet is recommended to approve the procurement strategy as attached to this report. So many of you will know that uh, I'm uh, in the procurement business for health so I don't have any conflict of interest um, and uh, my modus operandi is a collaborative uh, working to bring a, 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 a group of organisations together to better aggregate the market um, this council used to operate in that way um, but doesn't anymore, uh, that was counterculture to me at the time but I have to highly recommend our team of Christine Oakey and uh, Simon Robinson uh, who have um, put together this strategy which I have to say 
is more a list of achievements than a strategy, but nevertheless, um, it's, a, it's a very worthy summary uh, of what, is, what has been done and what is going to be done. Um, and um, they, they, they mention just a modest two of their achievements uh, on page 172 in terms of the savings on the repair of housing stock, heating and hot water systems of one and a half millions over a five-year contract. Um, and uh, over a quarter of a million on water monitoring and treatment for the control of Legionella over a four-year contract. Uh, but, but reading through um, the, uh, the strategy, um, you will notice that there are many other savings listed. So um, there's a real focus on procurement and of achieving best value. And best value is a collective term. It isn't necessarily about the cheapest. Uh, it takes into account the support that we can give to local businesses and it obviously it takes into account quality of the product and whole life costs. Um, it's not just about uh, savings, it's also about the way that we do it. Um, and uh, the second paragraph under achievements is that the increase uh, of uh, the ordering system, uh, the e-buy system, uh, is uh, now seen um, a total of 68% of all orders are now raised electronically and clearly that figure has got to go up uh, and um, the, a, a reduction of maverick spending by, uh, that isn't going through the procurement system. So in summary, uh, I'd like to propose, I think this, um, the procurement in, in this uh, organisation is well run and effective and I'd like to recommend that the Cabinet um, approves the strategy as attached to the report but happy to take questions. So we're now down to two, so I'm proposing, so you must be seconding on this one, Councillor Redfern. Uh, we're probably barely core it at this stage, but um, if there aren't any other questions, uh, then hopefully that's been, um, that's been approved. So thanks, Maggie. Telling me he's on again. At item 15, Councillor Howell will return to the room. I'll give you time to take your seat, but you're back on item 15, uh, budget monitoring for the third quarter. Um. <clears throat> right. Um, the recommendation is to note and approve this report. Uh, item 15 sets out the uh, performance against budget for the first three quarters through to December 2016 and a predictive forecast or outturn for the end of the 16-17 financial year. Um, we are um, forecasting currently a general fund uh, underspend of 88,000. Uh, housing revenue account underspend of 62,000 and there is a uh, significant underspending in the capital program of 6.75 million however I should point out that 6.67 million of that uh, relates to slippage of projects uh, through to 2017-18 uh, giving a net underspend of uh, 77,000 in the year. Um, and the Treasury management activity uh, is routine, if such a thing exists. Um, clause 18 on page 200, uh, and then running through uh, to 204,
gives a very detailed breakdown of each item of underspend and overspend exceeding £20,000. And uh, we give a great deal of scrutiny to each of these items um, at previous meetings and at, at Council. Um, but I would emphasise the overall headline figure is a continuing underspend, financial discipline and control, ensuring that despite the challenges that might exist in some areas of the organisation, across the organisation as a whole, we continue to run a very tight ship uh, and that there are efficiencies and people working extremely hard to ensure that we come in slightly under budget. And I emphasise every time we do this paper how important it is to come in under budget than over budget and how much happier we are when we do the former than the latter. So this again um, doesn't try to hide the hard work that goes in behind it. There is a great deal of effort to achieve this, um, but it is demonstration, a demonstration of the hard work and efficiency within this organisation um, that we can, despite the, the movements and challenges day to day, achieve and underspend. The reserves position is set out on page 204. Um, with a net addition to reserves of £418,000. Um, various risks and assumptions are detailed on page 204. Uh, and I'm happy to take questions. I think that's probably the right way to do it rather than try and identify particular items here. But I would... Um, that there is a great deal of information here and I trust that everyone has read it as carefully as I have. Sorry, I wasn't switched on, so I'll start that again. Um, <coughs> reviewing quarter three, uh, recognising, of course, that we're now um, coming towards the end of quarter four, the full financial year, um, as a reflective position. Uh, any comments on that? Um, just on the, uh, just comment on the housing revenue account um, slippage. Um, obviously, Councillor Hargreaves will be um, familiar with Reynolds Court, and that is um, really is. Um, going along very speedily now, having had um, some delays in the start of the project. Hatherley Court, we um, were going to um, give, give the work to a particular company and then their, actually their tender um, didn't, uh, didn't work out in the way we had hoped, so um, that we had to go back out again. Um, and Sheds Lane, um, that has had a delay, but because we, um, had the we had a particular family in Saffron Walden with a severely disabled, disabled child in one of our existing properties, and we really want, rather than a, a, adapt an existing property that would never really do what we wanted it to do, we um, engaged with them about whether they would be prepared to wait a little while while we um, came up with a scheme for them on the Sheds Lane site, so that did delay the did delay the process there, but I'm really pleased to say that um, um, it, it, it is all moving ahead now and um, with this particular property for a local family. Thank you. Good. Any other comments? In which case, uh, the recommendation is to note and approve the report. Um, so proposed by Councillor Howell, seconded by Councillor Redfern. Those in favour? 
carried unanimously. Thank you. Um, item 16 is the Strategic Housing Market Memoranda of Understanding. Um, we welcome uh, Mr. Pine. I believe you're. I know Roger's going to be talking about this one. No, I, I, just, I just wanted to be clear which item you were talking to. 18. Okay, thank you. Um, so, um, this would have been presented by Councillor Barker, but as already indicated, she is on jury service. So, the recommendation is that Cabinet approves the Member of Understanding uh, with our Schmar partners of um, East Hearts, Harlow um, and... Um, Epping Forest, uh, and there are two uh, aspects to the Memoranda of Understanding. Uh, one is on highways and transportation infrastructure, uh, and the uh, other is on uh, environmental um, special areas of conservation. Um, so uh, I will now hand over to um, Mr. Harborough, who has worked with Councillor Barker uh, on that duty to cooperate, which leads to a member of a memorandum of understanding. Thank you, Leader. Members who uh, attend the Planning Policy Working Group and indeed have been along to the member workshops for every member of the Council will know the duty to cooperate is uh, an absolutely critical part of the process of preparing local plans. Um, it's important to have a demonstration of coordinated working across the district's boundaries into the areas which are uh, whether uh, matters of, of, of common interest um, and we've got two such memorandum of understanding before you this morning uh, these have been uh, discussed at officer and member level through the, uh, um, the the board for cooperation on sustainable development uh, as it's called, which operates across uh, Uttlesford, Epping Forest, Harlow and East Hertfordshire. Uh, the memorandum and understanding which relates to highways and transportation importantly has two, uh, sorry, three additional par uh, signatory parties, the two highway authorities, Essex and Hertfordshire County Councils and Highways England, uh, and it identifies the need for improvements to junction seven, uh, new junction 7A and junction 8 on the M11. Um, the other one relates to potential impacts on Epping Forest as a result of uh, population growth in the area and potential pressures on the forest, both direct in terms of use of the forest, but also from... Uh, air quality. Um, it only relates to Epping Forest because Epping Forest is the only designated site which falls into this particular category. So it's, it is a mandatory requirement that this particular issue is, is, is considered by uh, authorities preparing local plans. Uh, it's important that these memoranda of understanding are a Approved at the appropriate level, which is why they've been brought to Cabinet rather than being dealt with as a sort of technical liaison matter between officers. Thank you, Mr. Harborough. And uh, they're key, obviously, to um, the inspector's report. He would expect to see a clear memorandum, memorandum of understanding on the key issues uh, in the designated Schmar area. So uh, the, the relationship with those other three uh, councils is good uh, and obviously on the highways uh, one the extra 
three bodies um, and uh, on, on the um, conservation area as well. So, are there any questions on this? If not, uh, I ask you to accept the recommendation that Cabinet approve the MOU. Um, I will propose that, and uh, perhaps Councillor Howell, second. Uh, those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Um, item 17, um, another neighbourhood plan. We, this um, Cabinet has seen many. Uh, it's seen the completion of the Great Dumbo plan and he's seen others come to start their plan. And in this case, we're looking at the designation uh, of the neighbourhood plan area. Um, and um, again, this would have been Councillor Barker, but uh, as we've said, she's uh, not here. Um, and uh, so that I will propose the recommendation to designate the area outlined on the map at Appendix 1 as the Newport uh, with Quendon and Rippling Neighbourhood Development Plan area. Um, and uh, the importance of that when you look at it is that it is um, in accordance with the parish boundaries of uh, those uh, areas. So it is a logical definition that this council would support uh, and therefore uh, be happy to recommend if cabinet so wishes uh, and so that uh, these authorities can get on with their neighbourhood plan, uh, a, a, an item that we fully support and recommend and we're looking to our, all our major conurbations to uh, have a neighbourhood plan that dovetails obviously in with the local plan. So happy to take questions on that. I think it's a fairly straightforward um, thing. So I'm recommending that. Um, Councillor Redfern is seconding. Uh, so I've read out the recommendation. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Um, so that then takes us on to item 18, um, which is, bear with me, right, I was looking for a, an agenda item page and it's not got one, So, but it's on page 265. So. Um, the recommendation here, and we've just had a supplementary page uh, given to us, which I imagine Mr. Pine will take us through. Uh, so the so the uh, item is, is the report from staff on, on the night flight consultation at Stansted Airport. That's the subject in hand. The recommendation um, is that, are we a panel in this instance? The recommendation is that the panel considers this report or will you explain all this? I'll explain it, Leader. Okay, thank you, Mr. Hargreaves. Yes, of course. Yes, obviously your telling duties start shortly. Yeah, okay. Nice to have you with us. Okay, Mr. Pine. Yes, thank you, Leader. Um, the additional sheet of paper that you have in front of you is the minute from the Stanford Airport Advisory Panel that met on Monday. So if I, if I start at the beginning... Um, this is a six-and-a-half-week consultation being carried out by the DFT on the content of the next night flights regulations at Stansted. The scheme is due to last from October of this year to October 2022, unless a local scheme is negotiated in the meantime. The consultation was considered by the Airport Advisory Panel at its meeting last Monday, 
and as I said, minute SP12 has just been circulated. I have noticed on page 2 of that minute, in line 5, there is a small typo in that the figure of 3270 should read 3070. I'll briefly run through the content of the STAT report that was included on the Cabinet agenda. Paragraphs 9 to 14 set out the relevant history and current details of the usage of the movements and quota count limits at Stansted Airport. Paragraphs 15 to 20 explain the Government's proposed broad aims in setting the new regulations, the options that are being considered, they're in paragraph 18, and why new regulations are needed under what's called the balanced approach, which is explained in paragraphs 19 and 20. The Government favours either option 4A or 4B. And in relation to Stansted Airport, that would be everything included in options 2, 3, 4A and 4B, because they're kind of the, sort of the cumulative options, really. So that would be um, having a regime that, over, over five years, gradually reduces the movements and quota limits by, they suggest, 20%. Now, the remaining paragraphs set out the implications for Stansted, and I've italicised and in bold the four main um, proposals. The first one, a new QC 0.125 category, means that aircraft that are currently excluded from the regulations because they are less noisy would now be picked up and included. The reason for that is Stansted has a lot of aircraft that are actually exempt from the, from the limits, which means that uh, effectively those aircraft can fly with impunity at night and not be caught by the regulations. Similarly, and on, over on page 12, all operations by aircraft that would remain um, QC0 count towards the movement limits that again really is for the same reason, to ensure that uh, all movements are captured in some way because residents tend to notice the number of movements rather more than actual the intensity and noise from each individual event. Thirdly, Stansted winter movement uh, season limit increases from 5,000 to 5,600 and the summer limit from 7,000 to 8,100. This is the government's suggestion of, of keeping the status quo in, in the meantime, pending the um, negotiation of a local scheme, what this basically says is that 1,700 currently exempt movements a year would be put into the movements limit, but then they would lift the movements limit, so stances still benefit from any existing headways within the existing scheme. That's their way of saying you start with the status quo position. And then the, f the fourth point is that the current noise quota limits serve as the starting point for considering the next regime. And I'll say a bit more of that when I come on to STAP's recommendations. If I may, so that we're all clear on this. So earlier you said the government was looking to reduce movements uh, over, a, 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 was it a five or a ten year period? It's a, it's a five year period. Five year period. Yeah. It, but, but now we're talking about increasing movements by 1,700 in the course of a year. What the government is doing, it's, it's basically saying that will be the starting point because currently at Stansted Airport there are 1,700 aircraft movements a year in the night period that aren't included in, in the regulations. So they're happening. They are happening. They're happening now. So, so this, this is, is just a realistic position. Yeah, the actual the figure way. at the moment is 5, 6 plus 8, 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. um, what the government is saying is um, if we're going to include the exempt flights within the movements limit, if we kept the movements limit as it was now, the airport would bust it, basically. It would go over its movements limit. So we'll... we'll, we'll We'll crank up the movements limit by a proportionate number so that the airport still have the headway within the existing regime, but then that's the starting point you look at for, for, for the further regime. So could you give us some indication of these, these movements that aren't listed? Yep. 
They're, they're things like business jets, general aviation, that type of thing. And the very new aircraft that Ryanair have, have ordered, such as the 737 MAX, they would also be exempt under the current regulations. And of course, if you then, if you then rolled forward the existing regime, you could have any number of aircraft fly yeah. at night and not Indeed. count. Yeah. So this is yeah. the government's way of saying we, we acknowledge that residents are disturbed by aircraft movements per se, rather than just by the level of noise each one makes. So if we make this change to the regulations, that will mop up a large number of these exempt regulations to bring them actually into the scheme. So in a sense, we're doing away with the exemptions because everything is now being classified as a movement. Everything would be in, in, in the movements limit. Yeah. There would still be some aircraft that would be less noisy and they would still be QC0 exempt, but there would be far less than currently there is. Okay. Right, thank you. So it's a bit complicated, but that's... No, 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 that's, that's, that, as you say, that is the starting point. That's the starting point. Yep. Um, pages 14 to 18... Sorry, so probably par best done by paragraphs, because some of us are looking at, oh, um, sorry. at, at different page numbers. So we've all got paragraphs, I think. You have, haven't you? Right. Yep. Uh, Councillor Redfern. Sorry, Jeremy, can, I, can, can yes. you just clarify something for me there, then? So the flights that are exempt now, yes. because they don't... Um, they're outside the boundaries. The type, the model of aircraft that they, that, that, that they are is coming into this, so it's not. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Um, every single aircraft that takes off yep. at night would be included within the movements limit. Right. Unless okay. it's one of these dispensation flights, such as a, a royal flight, an emergency flight. Relief yep. flight, that sort Fine. of thing. Yeah, okay. So Just they would all come within the movements limit. Yeah. And if they are currently exempt on grounds of they're less noisy, then they will be included depending upon their noise performance. There still be some aircraft that would be quieter than less noisy, shall we say, mm. that, that wouldn't fall within, within the QC limits. But they would all be included in the movements limits. Okay, okay. Thanks. <coughs> Right, after um, paragraph 30, the risk analysis, you then go on to the, um, after that, the um, suggested response to the consultation questions, of which there are 10, some have uh, A's and B's to it. Not all of these, of course, are relevant to Stansted because some relate just to Heathrow or Gatwick. Um, now, the recommendation is that the Cabinet endorses this response and with the amendments that the airport panel suggested on Monday. And what I'm going to do now is, is run through those, and they're set out on the minute SP12 that was circulated recently. On Can question, we just ask, sorry, it yes. doesn't say who, who, who was at that meeting. Can we just be clear about that? At the, at the panel? Yeah. As Councillor Artis, um, there was Councillor Davey, uh, there was uh, Councillor... Uh, who else did we have? There was Councillor Foley was was was, was there, um, and two others. But I, I'm, I can't. Okay. But we had we had five. We can check the minutes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. Right. The the, the first point. The panel on, on question three a. The panel strongly supported the introduction of the new. QC 0.125 category aircraft for the reasons set out in, in, in that paragraph. Um, on question 9A, the, the panel noticed that within the consultation document, there's no mention of use of 
noise metrics other than the standard what's called LAEQ night contour, which is the averaging contour. What increasing evidence shows now is that residents are being are more annoyed by the total number of noise events rather than the total noise load. So what the panel suggested was that um, any metrics included within the consultation document ought to also include number above contours. What these do is they, these actually record the number of individual events at a particular location above a particular noise level. And that is more indicative of the, the kind of experience that residents have of noise at night. The third point on question 9b um, the panel wanted it known that the council previously supported a step reduction in the noise quota limit when it commented back in uh, 2013 on, on the, the stage 2 consultation of the previous regime but that step reduction stalled in 2012 and so since 2012 the residents haven't actually had any benefit from any reductions in the noise quota points. So what we're saying is that should be continued and we should extrapolate from 2012 to what that figure would have been in 2017 and have that as the starting point. Now I'm not certain that the DFT will go for that but I think it should be our starting point. If they were to say okay um, we don't quite agree with that but what we'll do is we'll take the current quota limit as a starting point and reduce 20% from that, that would still be a good result. But let, let's try for the, the full extrapolation from 2012. They also supported the phasing out of the QC4 and QC2 aircraft at Stansted Airport, which are the very noisy aircraft. Um, I think there's only been about one QC4 aircraft in the last couple of years, and that was a, a turboprop Antonov, which is very, very noisy. And the QC2 aircraft tend to be the older Boeing 747 freighter series, that, that type of thing. Question 10, um, the panel supported the phasing out of the overrun and carryover procedures. Now, when I say support, this isn't something the government is suggesting, but it's something we think ought to occur, because really what it does is it tells, if an airport operator doesn't use their full quota in one season, they can carry some over into the next quota, and that's not really transparent for residents. For instance, your 7,000 movement limits in summer could then go to 7,700 or even 8,400, and, you know, that's not really giving residents a certainty un un under the scheme that they need. So we think the overrun and carryover procedures should be phased out, and that will give the airport's chance to plan ahead, knowing exactly what, what their restrictions are. So subject to those changes, Chairman, the recommendation is that the Cabinet endorse the response that um, I will word up and send to the DFT. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Pine. You've made uh, sense of all of this, which is really helpful. Um, uh, Councillor Howell? Um, I wanted to make a few observations, if you don't mind. Firstly, I, I think that the panel have made some quite important points, some points that I think that I'd come from rather fresher than they have, but I was going to make not dissimilar points. If we step back a bit, I think it's important that we remind ourselves that, uh, that, that, that many, many residents are deeply disturbed by the amount of night flights. It's one of the things that most affects people across a very large area of Uttlesford and in, in neighbouring areas. There's a, a growing body of evidence that night noise has a very significant harmful effect, increasing risks of cardiovascular disease, strokes and, and heart attacks. And we need to remind ourselves that the vast majority of night flights do not actually need to take place at night. Stansted is principally a leisure 
uh, airport and the business model of the low-cost airliners that fly from there require them to be able to do four turnarounds per day, which means that they need to be working from four in the morning till midnight at night to be able to do the four turnarounds. Their business model requires them to fly at night. It does not require... It is only because of their business model. And my frustration is that the industry demand takes precedence over public health. And the government has clearly identified that the World Health Organization puts public health as a more important criteria. I, I think our response is right, and it is completely right, and we are coming from it from the right direction. Uh, and and I am simply trying to emphasize the point that we as, as a local council believe that, that, that health should take precedence. I don't think that we could argue that um, uh, many of, any of the low-cost airline uh, carriers require night flights. Similarly, very few of the courier that fly in are time critical. If they were bringing medical medicines or pharmaceuticals or body parts, things like that, I could understand the time critical element. An emergency would justify it. But for the most part, it's ensuring that somebody can deliver a letter by 9 o'clock the next morning rather than 10 o'clock the next morning. Um, we need to remind ourselves that while there was only one QC airport, the Antropov that was referred to, a 747 when it takes off is a QC4 and there are a number of those. And you're absolutely right, Mr Pine, it's the number of movements that are the frustration. Um, so I, 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 I endorse the response. I actually think that the, the comments that came from the panel are really helpful in, in, in emphasising, underlining why we have the concerns that we do have. Um, and, and I feel very, very frustrated that the, that the, the, um, the consultation um, is not really addressing the, 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 the significantly detrimental impact that night noise has on so many of our local residents. Thank you. Any other comments? So um, the overall um, proposal is for a reduction. Um, and um, the overall proposal is that everything is taken into account. Um, the panel, which is um, certainly cross-party based, hopefully it was cross-party when it uh, met uh, this week, um, has um, endorsed the overall principle uh, but wants to re-examine the numbers because uh, there, there, there was a, a direction of travel that hasn't been followed through, and it's asking that, that that is followed through. Strong support for the phasing out of QC4 and QC2 aircraft, um, and supporting the uh, phasing out of the overrun and carryover. Absolutely, we fully endorse that. Uh, otherwise, it's not a limit if it can be carried over. Um, so, um, unless there, Mr. Pine. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, I have found the attendance from SAP. It was Councillors Artis, Davey, Farthing, Foley and Riles. Okay, thank you. Um, so, uh, if there aren't any other comments, um, the recommendation... We've got uh, the note from the staff proposals that the... To, to consider the recommendations uh, uh, of the staff uh, meeting on the 13th of February and to so approve. That is the recommendation to be minuted. That's correct, Leader, yes. Those in favour, uh, and um, I'm proposing that, and uh, Councillor Howell is seconding it. Those in favour? 
carried unanimously. Thank you very much, Mr. Pine. And um, I think we still have the finance team with us for the next item, don't we? Right. So I won't thank you at this stage. But thank you for coming along and explaining that. We probably couldn't have done it without you, so thank you. Um, so we're now going, that concludes uh, the public part of the Cabinet meeting. We're now going into a part two session. Uh, I, I need to move something.